And the rest of us, get your Bible out. Let's declare who we are as they're headed out. Say it with me. This is my Bible. It is the standard I live my life by. I am a spirit-filled believer, sustained by my personal relationship with the Lord, empowered by my commitment to community, and expressed through outreach to others. Therefore, I can say, and um, so we welcome you today to Victory. If you're here, if you're watching live streaming, we're just glad you are a part. Turn your bulletin over. I want you to see the notes, and I want you to really uh, listen with a open heart in mind, um, with an ear of understanding what I share today. I want to share a truth in God's Word that's at work right now inside every one of you. This is going on, okay? And that is God has so much He's wanting to put in you. Okay. Even now, no matter your age, what he, there's things He's wanting to put inside of you, Right? And one of the primary ways he gets that to us is through the relational connections. That's why people are so important. The Bible talks quite a bit about the generational blessing and generational curses. You can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And what I loved about the song we had a moment ago, just the blessing, it's for you, then your children, and that's spiritual children, and their children, and on and on we go. God takes something he has or he wants to put in us, and he puts that in people. He puts that in people that would be around you. And his expectation is that one generation will be sharing it to the next generation. Uh, Of course, practical things. Obviously, it's one thing I love about the Jewish culture when you study it. Uh, what they would do on their Sabbath rest, that all the generations from the elderly to the youngest be together, and it would be fun and interaction, but just life and stories and helping to equip the next generation. But let's look at a spiritual dynamic today, a spiritual DNA that's being transferred. We've all had good things placed within us. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't matter what your upbringing has been or what hardships you've been through. There have been moments, whether through family and school or church, good things placed within you. And no matter how perfect your world has been, there have been some difficult moments. Would you agree? There's been maybe some hard things or rough things that tried to attach itself to you. But on this day, I want to honor just some of the men that poured into me. Now, I could go around the room and honor everybody in this room and different men that I admire. I like to think of qualities that different ones have. But I just want to recognize a a few that have helped me through the years or continuing to help one in particular. I not only want to honor them, but because it's part of my spiritual DNA, because we are all family, guess what? It's part of your spiritual DNA. You see, from generation to generation, there's a transference of those values throughout each generation. And what they poured into me has helped to mark me, not just because my name is Mark, but mark me. But then I think it's helping to mark our church and you as a part and then all that you do because Brother Chris says you got to go. Where is he? (laughs) You got to go. You've got things to do. Yeah, he, he, I guess he left. He went, huh? No. <laughs> he's back from a mission. You've been on a mission, right? So he's back from his mission. 
Look at Psalm. I want you to see this verse. Happy Father's Day, generational blessing. Psalm 145, verse 4. Generation after generation, and we sang it a moment ago, stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. Telling stories is one of the best ways to get values across. You know, Jeanette and I were on this little trip to see grandkids, and she told me a lot more about her family and grandparents and dad, and and a lot of it I knew. Some of it was new for that day. You never quit learning. You never quit understanding from the previous generation. Now, so parents, grandparents, tell stories. Don't make up stories, but tell legitimate stories that will help. So I want to briefly share some of the spiritual DNA that's inside of me, therefore really in us. Now, I've showed this picture before. It's a, I'm going to honor my dad first, John Harrell. This is when he was about 22 years of age, and men I'm going to honor, there he is. There's my dad, right before he got married, and um, way back, way back, way back, <laughs> way back then. You know, he's been deceased now. He's been with the Lord for 36 years. I was a young man when he passed away. And he had such an interesting upbringing. (laughs) You could make a movie out of it, really. Some of it hilarious, some of it really sad. It's amazing that um, he was able to come to the Lord and then be filled with the Holy Spirit and what God did in his life. Um, He he just did a lot, loved serving. One of the things he did, he was a volunteer fireman because of our little community. And he was involved in a rescue for a train derailment where people were all in it, around it, around this toxic chemical, and he got it on his person, which led to a cancer that ended up taking his life. And the value I want to share that I learned from my dad was stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. He understand he did not own a thing. He really did. He was a steward. Don and Perry knew him as well, real well. And the way he took care of uh, his aging parents and what he had to deal with all their issues and so forth because they were very needy, a lot of uh, conflict there. I've shared about that before. The way he took care of my mom, I mean, he just took care of my mom. I mean, when, when my dad died, my mom did not know how to put gas in the car. I'm serious. When I say he took care of her, he took care of her. He took care of her every need. The different sacrifices he made that now as I think about it as an adult my age, I go, wow, he lived a very selfless life, very, very selfless life. What he did in our community, things he would do in the community. I mean, it's amazing. Um, Kids were wanting to learn how to play golf. Okay, so he goes and builds a golf course with his tractor (laughs) and some other people. It's still there functioning today. Uh, the way he handled finances, the way he would teach others how to handle finances. Different men, corporate business, would come to him, and he would teach them how to handle finances. He knew they were not his, but it all belonged to God. The way he would steward opportunity. He would just walk through different opportunities the Lord would put before him. The way he had things in order, okay? Men say order. And I don't mean it has to be perfectly clean and and exact like Chris Edwards, although that's good. But he had everything in order. And so he taught me and he showed me. That was was really a hard couple of days when my dad knew he was dying. We were believed for healing, but he was dying. And I had to be with him to know exactly what to do. That's a difficult time. 
and I'm in my early 20s, watching, learning, and so forth, so that when he did die, I knew exactly, exactly what to do. There was no confusion. I knew what to do for my mom. I knew exactly what to do. So man, order, have things in order. As I said, though, I knew he was just a steward. If God gave him a vision to do something, build something, develop something, he would do a lot of that, developing subdivisions, this, that, and the other. It would just work. It would work because he worked hard. He was a good steward. Uh, and I've shared this story before, but I remember I had just started college, and Dad had ordered Mom a brand-new car, brand-new car. Uh, now, you've got to be older to... To understand this, it was a Mercury Marquee Brome. Does anybody know what that is? Let me see your hand. Okay. They were, hit, they were hinged in the middle to go around curves. They were that long, all right? Big old car. So it came in on a Monday, finally, after how many weeks? I came in on a Friday from college, drove up the driveway, and I saw the front end all <laughs> like this on the car went, uh-oh. Yeah, it still had the sticker price on the window. And they had it two days, and a man ran a stop sign and plowed into mom. No one was hurt. The car was really damaged bad, and I, I tiptoed in. I wanted to see the response. I said, what happened? Dad said, oh, mom had, had a little wreck. She wasn't hurt. The other person, they weren't hurt. He missed a stop sign. I said, are you okay? He said, oh, yeah. He says, 10 years from now, we won't even know what we were driving now. Well, it was less than 10 years. He was with the Lord. Steward, just a steward. We steward everything for God's purposes. Our job on earth is to make the biggest difference we can for God. What scripture do I want to just honor my dad with is this. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And everybody say, uh, something else he would say, always operate in the margins. Now, some of you will get that. Operate in margins. If your budget is this big, well, use this much. So you have margins for situations. If you have this appointment, that appointment, and that appointment, well, organize your day so you have time gaps to get to everything. Everything you did, he would operate in margins. What's that? That's what you've been doing wrong. Honey, operate in the margins. Okay, praise the Lord. He taught me that. And, you know, by doing that even for the church, you've never ever had to hear me beg you to help meet a need at the church. I learned that from my dad. I learned it from him, so I honor him for that today. Second man I want to honor is Brother Billy Hornsby. How many of you knew Brother Billy? A few of you would have, okay, good deal. He went to be with the Lord in two, uh, 2011. He was a state trooper and the governor's bodyguard when he got radically saved. And, uh, you know, he was a Cajun background and all that, the big old guy. You can see he's a big, tough guy. And when he got saved, he got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, he and Charlene. And just a, a wonderful, wonderful man. If it hadn't have been for Billy, we wouldn't be here today. And that's a whole story in itself. We won't go into all that for time's sake. Uh, 
Billy always had great days. He just had great days. He pastored after getting saved, you know, went to Bible school some and pastored. Then his, he moved his whole family to Germany where they were missionaries for years and did wonderful work there. I actually bought, brought a group of our college career singles to Germany back in the early 80s. And uh, it was a singing group we put together. And I was there a couple of weeks following Billy around as he's speaking and writing and doing things. And I left that group to be with him for another month. I went to see him when he was uh, deathly sick um, down in Alabama. I got to spend a, a, an evening with him about two weeks prior to his death. And he was so uplifting and just funny and full of joy. He was so excited to see people that he had poured into because they came in literally from around the world to see him. What's one thing he taught me? Attitude. Now, every day, you get to choose your attitude. You get to choose it. Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you handle it. And sometimes we do really good, and then sometimes we flunk the test, right? But what I, 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 he just always had this wonderful attitude. You really have more of a choice than you think you have. Now, look at this scripture. Here's Paul speaking. He says, you, you might be, I might be sorrowful, yet what? Well, I might be poor, but what? Having nothing, and yet what? What a great attitude. He would just turn any limit into lemonade. You've heard that. Attitude is a choice, and you make it every day. If, you, if you'll do it in the midst of whatever, you can have good days every day. You can have that attitude. Um, when he would come in from the mission field to visit, you know, a couple of times a year, and he had a lot to do, he would always make an appointment and come see me at the office. I'm a young man in my 20s, and he'd want to come because I'm going to give you another principle. People. He valued people. I said he valued people. Do you value people or ignore people or use people or abuse people or hate people? I, I sure hope we value people, the, just the value of a person. He could see things in people no one else could see. And he'd come in my office, as I said before, make an appointment and come in with two big gulp Pepsis or Cokes or whatever and a big bag of chips. And he'd sit across me and put his feet up on my desk and open it up and let's talk. And he'd start saying things he'd see in me. I wasn't his literal son. I wasn't a cousin of his. He just people. Just people. And that's even why we're here today. So in everything, do to others what you would have them to do for you. This sums up the law and the prophets. The third person I want to honor is Brother Roy Stocksdale. My pastor's dad, he was my pastor through the 70s, and uh, then Larry became pastor in the early 80s. Brother Roy lived to be 97 years old. Sound mind. He was literally our neighbor. Our houses were real close together for six years. And um, he treated our two oldest boys, Andrew and Jonathan, just like 
their own grandchildren. So if they were doing anything with their grandchildren, they would take hours along. And Andrew and Jonathan called them uh, brother, brother Roy and Sister Mimi. Is that how they would do it? Yeah. So they, they just loved them. We loved them. They were great, great neighbors. He was a genius. I would have loved to have known his IQ. It was amazing. I, I mean, he literally was a genius. But if you wanted to make an appointment with him, you better grab a paintbrush or a weed eater or something because he liked serving. He liked doing around the church or helping someone at their home or helping another church and so forth. He didn't believe in making a pastor famous. He believed in making Jesus famous. And I hope that that just permeates in anything we do. We're wanting to make Jesus famous. He taught me that so many things. Um, You know, we were building that big auditorium, that 6,000-seat auditorium. We're behind just trying to get and do-to-do. And it'd be nothing to watch Brother Roy in the heat of the day mowing my yard with a push mower. What do you tell a 60-something-year-old man? Brother Roy, no, I'll get to it. Oh, Brother Mark, you're busy, and I can do this. You just, you go have a good day. I'd call Brother Larry, what do I do? Mark, you're not going to stop him. Just go give him some water. Okay, yes, sir, go give him water. He loved to help a struggling church. And sometimes I could see that gleam in his eye. Perry and Don will know what I'm talking about. He gets an idea, and he'll go get an old truck, and he'll go work for days at a, a church just helping them with a project. He loved to help people. But here's the value, humility. Humility. Wow. You know, um, I don't know if Don's in a room or if he's out um, watching kids and so forth, but Don Sams is serving the Lord because of Brother Roy. And Brother Roy in humility came and reached out to him when he needed a dad. And I'm sure Don would classify Brother Roy like his dad. And Brother Roy just come in in the morning and see him, oh, Brother Mark, isn't God good? That's how he greet me every day. He put, isn't God good? And he'd say, you know, a person on their face, they can't fall from that position. He'd say, start, Brother Mark, start your day as low as you can. Just low, low, low. Don't think of yourself higher. Just low. Don't get upset about anything, nothing. Just start low, low, low. And make Jesus big. And, of course, Jesus taught this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's amazing the number of spiritual sons and daughters that have gone out around the world because of Brother Roy's humility and and the balance he taught. Anybody who's willing to make it all about Jesus can see things done. And if we make every day about that, not only does God give you his inheritance, but there's a byproduct. Here's a promise. It's rest. I said it's rest. And some of us maybe are striving today because we're not at rest and we need to look at humility. Take my yoke upon you. This is Jesus speaking and learn from me. Now, look, this is the only scripture I can find where Jesus describes himself. Look what he says. He says, for I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And if you'll take those values, you will find rest for your souls. 
I love it when there's turmoil. I don't love it when there's turmoil. Let me rephrase that. But when you face that or our world does or issues and we, we have all kind of things going on in our nation and world right now, if we'll understand this, we can stay at rest and function from that spirit. Amen? May people know more about Jesus and your godly DNA than the latest viral video on YouTube. We have, listen, we're valuing the wrong things. Who is pouring into your life? Who are you allowing? Who are you seeking out to allow them to pour into your life? And then who you, in turn, pouring into others? Teenagers, pour into other teenagers. You're never too young or too old. This value, we must decrease and he must increase. One more. Pastor Larry. He's still alive. Hallelujah. The other three, of course, with the Lord. I want to make sure we put someone up here who's alive. I got to work with Brother Larry as his associate through the decade of the 80s. Um, he was with us last year in April. He spoke for my Kentucky Prayer Focus group that I lead. I mean, if you came to that, and then um, he spoke on a Sunday as well. What did he impact and teach so much? I've just narrowed it down to two things. Number one, prayer. <laughs> Everybody say Prayer. He never felt pressure. When people come, oh, we need this one. What are we going to do? And, and he would just smile. Well, let's pray about that. Let's take time to pray. He never rushed in decisions. I love to pray in the sanctuary. I love to pray in the sanctuary, and I learned that from Brother Larry. Walking around praying over the seats. I've prayed over every seat that you're in. Well, you're not in every seat, but wherever you're sitting, I've prayed over that seat. Brother Larry taught me that, or modeled that, I should say. He would pray. Pray first. Remember when we talked about this several weeks back? Just We're going to develop that even more later in the fall. Pray first. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. First response. And one other thing I want to put that he taught me, integrity. Integrity. It's a word that uh, is often neglected now in our nation and even among spiritual leaders, integrity. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity, being bipolar, being here, there, boom, boom. So we need to be single-minded. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And I pray those values that have been passed to me are being passed to you. And that whether you really have thought about it, you catch it. And then you can model it. And then you pass it on to your children. You know, now that we have grandchildren, Jeanette and I, we love watching our, our boys that have children do things that we did with our boys. It's amazing. And, and just like, wow, they, they, they caught it. They got it. And watching the children grow up now and have a love for the Lord, it just blesses my heart. That's better than the latest gizmo or this, that, or the other. Are you with me? Okay. Now, I did this several years ago. I uh, showed it and put it up on the screen. But I want to challenge you right now, especially men. Are there any men in the house? Okay. You know, sometimes in your home, there are certain points where there can be conflict or issues or uh, with boys, the testosterone starts going and the competition. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? 
And I didn't, ha- I didn't have daughters, so I don't understand. I've got granddaughters, so I'll kind of learn. So I don't know what I'll go through with a daughter, but I had the boys. And so when we were starting to have just well, everyone kind of, what, what were we having, honey? I don't know, I'm asking. <laughs> just normal competition and a this and a that and so forth when mine were teenagers. And I began spending a, an evening a week with them where we would even read some, study a little bit. I didn't want to make it heavy, wanted to make it fun, but just sit them down, we're going to do this. And I, I think we did it for about a year, and then that kind of accomplished what was necessary. Man, you can't think they're going to get better. You can't wish they get better. You can't tell others, I wish my kids would get better. You've got to take the lead. So I said, we studied some, went through some things, and I said, all right, guys, we're going to write a family mission statement. Talk about over their head. And this took months. I say months. Narrowed it down to eight words that very often I'll even remind or we'll talk about. So what, what was our mission statement with these teenage boys that were getting very rowdy? Here we go. Love. Unconditional love. So we said this is how we're going to respond in our home. Support. We're going to support each other in reaching their full potential. Not criticize the other one because you're better. <laughs> see, I'm, you see what, how I'm, I'm working with boys. We're support, and it's amazing now how they call one another supporting each other all the time. Protect. Protect one another by prayer and serving, not by sabotaging, not by setting a booby trap in their bedroom. Protect. Nurture, nurture an atmosphere of safety and rest. If you're going to live in this house, I just told them, it's going to be a restful home. Do you hear me, boys? And it's going to be a safe home. Embrace. I never tried to call, I I never told my kids what they had to be. Parents, don't live your dream out through your child. You will frustrate them. I said, I want you to hear from the Lord what you are to be. And if you hear from the Lord, I'm going to support you 100%. But in the same time, let's embrace what God has placed on your mom and I. Embrace the call of God on our family. I didn't force them to do anything, make them do anything, but it's amazing all three of them are now in ministry, okay? Minister. Let's minister the life of God to every person we touch. And we kept communicating that, and it's amazing. Our youngest son, he grabbed a hold of this And we never knew how many kids were spending the night at our house that he was reaching out to. And one time Andrew came in, and the kids started coming out of Michael's bedroom that had spent the night. Andrew goes, it's like a clown car. How many many people are in there, you know? (laughs) Just kids from school or church that he was trying to help minister. Sacrifice, live sacrificially to influence in the home, church, community, and the world. And then, you know, sometimes now I'm hearing things that they're doing that I had no clue. No clue. Sacrifices that they're making, and, you know, they're just doing it as unto the Lord. And I think that's awesome. One more. Transfer, because we're talking about generational blessing. Transfer principles of godly character and purpose to family and to those who will follow. And every now and then I had to pull it out in the moments of uh, conflict tension and just remind them this is who we are now who are you who are you 
and I'm, I'm challenging men and women, you've got to make some declarations, especially at moments of conflict. Don't back down and love say, this is who we are, and this is what's going to happen because God has a plan for you, and we're going to see that come to pass. Amen? Don't be so quiet on me. I love you. I'm just trying to help you out. Now, some may think, well, Mark, I didn't have those type of men, and I didn't have this, and I don't understand a mission statement, and we never did that, and blah, 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 blah. I understand. But let's listen now to some of the words of Paul. He says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Wow. Guardians, teachers, instructors. You could have 10,000 of them, but you don't have many fathers. So what do we do about that? How can we help in that situation? For in Christ Jesus, I became your father. Generational blessing. Paul said that. I took the people who were there and put other that weren't there and put myself in their place to help you. For in Christ Jesus, I came your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to what? Imitate me. Now, men, ladies, can you tell that to the next generation? Imitate me. You cannot get the best of God in what he intends for you without relational connections and relational opportunity. And, and you've got to have real people in your life. The last verse in the Old Testament before Jesus is now in the New Testament kind of covers what's going on in our world. He wants to turn the hearts of the fathers to children, hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And I think that's what we're seeing going on right now in our world, in our nation. So much confusion because of the family and generational blessing breakdown. We're entering into more of a curse. The enemy loves to attack the foundation of the home. So what do we do? Here we go. Are you still with me? Hang with me. Give me just a few extra moments on this because you need takeaways. You don't just need to see men that have spoken into my life that help give you a spiritual DNA, although that's part of your heritage. You don't need to see my family mission statement. You need some takeaways. And here we go. If you've been disappointed by your past, and who hasn't, relationally, you need to allow God to heal the father wounds. You need to allow him to heal it. Don't keep dragging it around for the rest of your life. Wherever there was a void, wherever there was a trespass, you need to allow him to heal it. If you don't, you put a block around your heart so it never happens again, but you'll never have the transference of what's best for you. You'll not receive what others can pour into you if you put a block around your heart and say, I ain't going to let that happen again. I'm not going to let that disappointment happen again. All right, so how do you do it? Boy, this sounds like an oxymoron, but here we go. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confess what has happened to a trusted friend, a mentor, or whatever your disappointment, and so forth. 
Then pray for each other that you may be healed. God, you go to God for forgiveness, right? But you go to God's people for healing. You say, well, pastor, that's the problem. People hurt me. It is kind of funny. You got to go to people if you want to be healed. If not, you put up the block. Something will happen in that generational transference. And if you don't, start now. If you didn't have great relationships growing up or important people were not part of your equation, look what God says. He's going to do something for you. Oops, I think I went the wrong direction. There we go. He becomes a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely where? In families. You need a spiritual family. Church is more than something you come and attend and you leave. If that's what you're doing, you're missing out. I said you're missing out. It's the connections. It's the ongoing stuff that happens throughout a week and a month. Spiritual family happens, and through that, you gain values. And if you do that, he leads out the prisoners, your wounds, your hurts, the father wound, the mother wound, the things that disappoint you. And not only that, you're going to be able to start singing loud and bold. I mean, you're going to have a song in your heart. Another takeaway, maybe you didn't have these type of fathers. So what is the solution? Well, be a father. Be one. Be a mother. Be a supporter of others. Don't fret about what you don't have. I'm not talking just to dads. I'm talking to men, women, young and old. We came, uh, we, we all have these principles that we can participate in and understand and have operate through our life. If we take our lives and pour into the lives of others intentionally, you see something good in them. You see something that God's doing. You see a value that God's placed in you that you can now transfer to the next generation. You can help teach in nursery and children and all the things that are going on. You can have a cell group at your home, all that. Well, pastor, nobody loves me. Well, go love somebody. (laughs) He who is friendly, guess what they have? So where you're lacking, give that. Well, I didn't have this in my life. And I, I can go through things I didn't have in my life as well. I'm showing you what I did have. But what you didn't have, start being that. Don't just go to church and become a Christian, but you start pouring your life into the lives of others. It's one of the most fulfilling and rewarding things you'll ever do. I mean, it is so rewarding. You know, leadership, basically, really, it's just, it's just well, here we go. Leadership is influence. I've got to touch this a little bit slower. It's just influence. You have influence whether you know it or not. Why not use it for good? And I could look around and start pointing out different people. I love what you're doing. I love how you're using your life to influence. Your life is influencing others right now. It might as well be for good. And you're not living life to its fullest fulfillment until you're doing this until it becomes part of your DNA. So don't fret about what you don't have. Say, okay, I'm going to be intentional now. I'm going to let the Lord keep working in me and maturing me and growing me so I can begin doing this to other people. 
transfer influence. Share your values with others and watch the joy. You will have joy unspeakable. Now, one more. I'm convinced one of the tricks of the devil is to create relational wounds, okay? Especially with our dads. Reason being, so we can't relate to God the Father. Are you hearing me? Especially with our dads, so we can't relate to God the Father. It was never just about you and your dad. It was to put a wedge between you and God the Father. Did you get that? The issue you might have had with your dad or uncle or granddad or whatever male figures, it wasn't just for that issue. It was to keep you from going to God the Father. So you have got to relate to God as Father. You've got to begin to understand that and see this. Not just relate to God as God, a leader of a religious organization. He's a Father. Romans 8. Look at all this. This resurrection life you receive from God, it's not timid, okay? It's not grave-tending life. I love this out of this translation, out of the message. That's religion, grave-tending life. With the Father, it's adventurous, expectant, greeting God with childlike, what's next, Papa? Oh, come on, folks. That's how I want you to see him. God's spirit touches our spirits, and it confirms who we really are. You learn your identity in Christ. Your identity is so, so important, so, so crucial when you understand your identity in Christ. Then what happens after that? Father and children. I know I am in Christ, so with that, I can relate to God the Father as my father, a father with his children. Wow. Powerful. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us. What are we going to get? An unbelievable inheritance. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Not God and servant, and we all serve, understand that. But he wants you to relate to him as father. If you get that revelation, wow. So here's the thing on this Father's Day slash late Mother's Day slash anybody day who wants to help the next generation. God has great things for you. But it's not for you to hoard and to say, ooh, I got goosebumps and I'm tingling all over and I got this emotion and I'll see you next week. It's died. It's, it's died. It's gone. It's so that you can pour into the next generation. And my prayer is that you can know him intimately as a father. Let him heal anything in your past. Let him help you discover that there's something special in you, something special for you. I don't know if anyone has told you, but let me, let me tell you today, your potential is awesome. Each one of you, your potential is awesome. You're valuable. You belong. You're loved. God needs you. The body of Christ needs you. God's intent in saving you and filling you is so that your life makes a difference in the lives of so many other people. I'm going to ask uh, music team, come on back up.
Let's bow in prayer. Father, I thank you for this amazing congregation. What a gift they are to me. And I pray today that every person here would recognize and realize that we have a great heritage, a DNA that has been transferred from you, God, from some wonderful people, from the people in this room that would consider themselves leaders and helping the body of Christ. Lord, I pray for the value of uh, stewardship and attitude, a great attitude, and the value of people and humility and prayer and integrity. Let that just continue to grow in all of us. Let's not only be transformed, but let it be multiplied here at church, in our community, in our workplace, in our family. And God, on this Father's Day, we honor you. You are a good, good Father, and we love you. You know, with your head bowed, you may feel a million miles away from God. And that's Jesus' role to bring you close. That's why he came, because uh, only purity and holiness can enter into God's presence. And none of us are holy. All of us have sinned and even still deal with, deal with sin in our life. And we need Jesus so desperately. He's the advocate. He's the one that paid the price and makes a way. And he came to destroy the thing that separated the two of you, you and the Father. He came to destroy that sin. Jesus took care of that for you on the cross, not just to make you a Christian, but so that you can be part of his family, be back in the family. And what salvation really is, is a reconciliation. It's a reconciliation of God back to you. How awesome is that? So with your head bowed right now, you're in the house and you'd say, Mark, I need that reconciliation. I need to be brought back into relationship with God or maybe for the very first time brought into that relationship. If that's you, just lift your hand. I'll know you're here. We've been praying for you this week. Anybody at all, you know you're not. Yes, okay, who else? All right, just pray, church. You know you're not in right relationship. Okay, awesome. Can we just stand? Let's just stand all over. Let's do it. You know, the Bible says believe and confess. Say it. Believe it and say it. Say something that just begins to come alive in your heart and brings you in a relationship. I'm excited. I saw at least one person. There might have been others. You don't have to raise your hand. That's just an indication for me. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Church family, let's just pray out loud with this one. And we're just asking God to do a great work in their life. So let's pray. Dear God, I need a father. I need a relationship with God the Father. Jesus, you made the way through your sinless life and your sacrifice. Thank you for paying for my sin. I apply your blood to my life. Save me today. I confess Jesus is Lord. He is now my Lord and my Savior. I will turn my back on intentional sin. Anything that grieves you, I will follow you with my whole heart. I surrender my life. Thank you that I'm saved. Thank you I get to go to heaven. Thank you I get to help other people now. So use me in Jesus' name. 
Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap for doing that. Yes, Lord.